0: Retreat. We've been talking about these wonderful things that have to do with marriage and uh, a covenant, the God's covenant. And we ended last week by my saying, you know, there is one verse in Deuteronomy that talks about when you, when you get divorced. We talk about a covenant. You know, now a covenant, the way we talked about it, doesn't really give room for divorce. And yet, in Torah, there's that one verse, Deuteronomy 24.1, that that says, uh, if you divorce your wife, give her a certificate of divorcement. Then it says some details. We'll talk about the wording, because that's the problem, is the wording there. It's not really a problem. We'll we'll get it sorted out today. Um, But all of a sudden, there's there's the, the scripture about divorce and a certificate, and actually women's rights is involved. We'll, we'll take a look. So it's not all peaches and cream and perfect perfection and so on. It's like, mm, don't you wish maybe that wasn't there? And I say that because we all come from various backgrounds of what we were told about divorce. Some very strict, some secular, where, you know, who cares, okay? But um, others, strict Christian, all, all different kinds of things. However, in most of that interpretation, it was incorrect on what we were told. He had the right motivation, the right thought, the right idea, but there's a real big misunderstanding in the Greek and the Hebrew wording what these things mean and what Yeshua said and what Moses said. So, we'll take a look today and get it straightened out. And here's my title today. Jerry, you already told Jerry, but the title is... Last week, we talked about that covenant. Okay, this one is called, A Broken Covenant in the Heart of God. Right now, you already know, that, that, that grieves his heart. In fact, he says, I hate divorce. I mean, I mean, <laughs> you know, that's not a light little thing. If God hates something, it's not that he's not in favor of it. He said, I hate it. Okay, then we should not like it either. We should love what God loves. And, you know, the whole thing with Jacob and Esau, we should hate what God hates. God does not hate people. It doesn't say that. This may come as a real shock to you. God does not hate Arabs. Are you aware of that? He loves them. We should love them. We should pray for them. We should bless them. See, because we're pro-Israel it doesn't mean we're anti-Arab. They have been deceived by the greatest deception of all time, Islam. If you send this tape to the right people, they'll kill me. <laughs> okay? So don't do that. Well, in, in looking at this, people with the right motivation in, in theological uh, leadership over the, over the years have said some things. And what they say is correct, except they leave other stuff out. And, and as Bible students, that's what you are. I want you to understand the whole thing and, make, and know what it says so you can make decisions based on what God has said. So, last week I explained my position an interpretation, because there is interpretation on marriage being a covenant. Uh, and we, at the retreat, we did, you can do all these exercises and activities and fun things and brainstorming and definitions about opinions and philosophies and come up with several different kinds of definitions of what is marriage. And they were all good. They were all good. However, I like to say, remember Sam Cadan used to say, that's nice. That's nice. In other words, and what do you do with it? Okay, I'm a Bible teacher. And I want you to know what the Bible says. And you can make decisions based on what it says. Accurately, what it really says. Okay? Uh, So, a believer's perspective and practice needs to be based on what has God said. Not what Dr. So-and-so says, or Pastor So-and-so says, or Rabbi So-and-so says. What does God say? And that's what I want to always go back to. What does God say? And you look at the context of, from, from where that came. Okay. The Bible teaches that we are to marry another believer. Now, I know that some of you became believers after you got married. And, and I be, okay, I'll, t- I'll tell you some of the bad things in, in, the, in the weeks to come. We're not going to finish all this today. But, but some people use some of these good scriptures as an excuse to get out of a marriage. Oh, I came to the Lord, and when my husband and I got married, we, neither of us were believers, and now I'm a believer, and he's not, so I can divorce him. Uh-uh. We're going to go to there a little later, 1 Corinthians 7. Paul said, don't do that. People look for excuses and reasons to get out of Okay, you're not supposed to do that. All right? We'll talk about it. What happens if he leaves you? Well, the Bible talks about that. All right? So, um... The Bible teaches, though, young people, this today is for you guys, really important. Okay, you need to make the right decision the first time. Because there's a bunch of people in this room that made the right decision the second time. And in between the first and second time, there's lots of grief and pain and bad stuff. Might even talk about a little bit of that today. Uh, But the Bible teaches that you are to marry someone who's in alignment with you spiritually. The two of you are together, okay? Together. Now, how many times do you say? I'm not picking anybody in particular, but it, it, I don't. I, Today, Susan's not here because she, she's not feeling well, okay? But there are some people that come to a other places, other congregations, where only one spouse comes. How do they share with the other one? What's going on? What we what, you know what they heard. You know, part of this is sharing with, with your spouse. Together, being together, hearing the same things at the same time—it's a sharing of, of them—and it's—it's—it's it's, it's so hard. They're—they're they're robbed of, of, of half of the joy, and some of them are married to believers. Now the difference comes too that where well my, this person is a believer, but he's not messianic, or she's not messianic. Well, we're talking about when you marry the right person, be in alignment with with all of that. Okay, start off on the right foot. There's enough problems they had when you do it right. And we'll talk about why some of those problems exist in just a minute here. But you would be in alignment with each other, with the Lord, and with Scripture. And only then will you have a successful marriage. Jack, um, I'm going to pick on Jack for a second, since he's, he was picking on us. Now, I gave you all a few weeks ago a statistic that basically, it's about 50% of all marriages fail. But then I went to the next line and I said, how about marriages amongst believers. And it was about the same percentage. About half and half. Except, I did leave something out. Jack, up, update us. Please stand, sir, and update us on that uh, statistic. And listen carefully. Bob and I were having this <laughs> discussion, and it's very common to hear, especially pastors when they're
1: preaching and that they talk about how everything is going to have Helen's me? There was much better on that situation, and it turns out that if you take the general population and you ask them if they're fishers, uh, most of them, are very high percentage from that statistic then, half of them are But, all the people in those where the people are attending services, studying their Bible, praying together with their children. Children are in public school, Jabbat school, eighty-five percent of them say together. So there is a huge difference between
0: mm-hmm. the world and those
1: who are functioning in the
0: And that has to do with when you are in spiritual alignment, you can solve the problems. Because they're gonna come up. But you can solve them. And going back to the very beginning of what I said two, three, and four four weeks ago, I I, I love to stand under the hoop with you guys and and, and sense, I can honestly say this, that God has brought you together. Well, if God has brought you together, he's going to fix the problems that come up. Now, I'm, I'm talking to two imperfect people. Okay, the, I've never had two perfect people get married, ever, okay? Two imperfect people that, you know, are not at the same place at the same time. But what Jack was saying was the advantage is when a problem comes up, you can fix it. You can solve it. How about a really big problem? You can fix it. Not oh ma- well, huge, the biggest of... You can fix it. You can fix it. All right? Now, how is that possible? Think of the, the huge, the biggest problem in marriage possible. Whatever you're thinking, whatever it is, you're thinking. Well, it would have to do with forgiveness, wouldn't it? And isn't that what Yeshua's all about? He forgave you for all the stuff you did. Can you forgive a, a spouse for something they did? Yeah, yes. Okay, so it's not, it's not something that is irreparable. There is no such thing. It can be fixed. But you have to be in alignment spiritually. The problem is that couples, young couples... ...don't usually discuss these things before marriage. Okay? They, they don't talk about expectations. What is marriage? A definition. My expectations of the role of a husband and a wife. What is it? Well, that's what they, all of a sudden that now in marriage counseling... ...they're talking about stuff they should have talked about before they got married. Because now they're talking about it because it's a, it's, it's a problem. You know, it's like... ...you know what? I, I thought you would do this in our marriage. I don't know where you got that idea... Listen, I don't do windows, okay? (laughs) Somebody's gonna do windows. You have, you have some choices. Okay, a man and a woman. Okay, me, okay? I do windows, she does windows, or I pay someone to do windows. Okay, those are my, my, my three choices. But you do have to talk about it before, beforehand. Versus, you know, I've been looking at those windows and every day they're getting dirty and dirty and she doesn't wash the windows. And one day I blow up. And she said, But you don't understand. I don't, I don't do windows. There's nothing wrong if you don't do windows. The like, guy should know about it, though. But young couples don't talk about that stuff. They don't sit down over coffee and talk about this. That's why pre marriage counseling brings it up, to talk about it. And you talk about it before it's an issue. You can have some fun. You can laugh about it. You can laugh and you say, That'll never happen. And then a month you call me and go, You were right. That happened. <laughs> how, how do I know that? Because we're all—it's all pretty much the same. We face the same kind of stuff. Well, that reminds me. Sorry for being disjointed today a little bit, but you remember that a part of our retreat had to do with—you um, uh, won't believe what I did. Remember those things I shared? I didn't share all of them with you. North the retreat either. I—you I, won't believe what I did. We have someone in our congregation. See, Aaron, I'm not sharing yours. Okay, that's okay. We have someone in our congregation that that they did not have a cousin on the Harlem Globetrotters. They had two cousins on the Harlem Globetrotters. Now, that should narrow the field down just a bit. But let me ask you this. Before you start looking around, you think you know everything here. Okay, uh, what one thing, when you think of the Harlem Globetrotters, when you look at them, what one thing do they all have in common? What is it? They're tall. John got it. They're tall, so we should look for a tall person. No, no. Actually, Badia is a short person. She had two cousins on the Globetrotters. Can you believe that? Pretty cool, I think. Boy, we have—do we have talent and fame in this room? Wow. And all the all the bad stuff, everybody kept blaming us, and he didn't do any of it. He did the good, the good stuff. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, we'll do more of that stuff uh, tonight and uh, in future married couples. Uh, meetings, we'll have some fun. And singles, we're gonna have some meetings with you too, okay? Well, we'll have some fun. Well, okay. Back to the, some the, of the, the bad news in life here. They don't talk about the stuff they need to talk about ahead of time. Expectations. Here's what I expected. It didn't happen. Okay, a wedding and a marriage are not the same thing. You with me on that? They're not the same thing. The marriage begins when the party's over. Okay, the party is over, the marriage starts. They're cleaning up all the stuff and you're going, uh, okay, well. The values of society around us are rapidly changing. They're not stable at all. They're very unstable. But the values of Scripture stay the same. They're very stable. It's like one solid rock here. But they're making it look like this is bad. This is now what's bad, okay? The values of Scripture remain the same. Some people, believers, are letting other people define their values, who they are, their lifestyle. Don't do that. Let this define who you are and your lifestyle. All right? This, this is the book that has the, the answers. Society will never compromise toward us, but they expect us to compromise toward them and make concessions here and there and so on. To our, you know, God calls it sin, but you know. It's, it's an alternate lifestyle. Or whatever, whatever, you know, stuff like that. Know your Bible. Know what God says about these things. Because we're talking about today what God said about marriage. They want to redefine. And they use that under the name of human rights. In the name of human rights. If you say you're against one little thing, oh, you're against women's rights or human rights. No, just that one thing. But they exaggerate it. So don't, you know, know what you believe and why. And be able to defend it. it. They're rewriting our values. Including marriage. The values of marriage. And the laws about marriage. Now a covenant. We we talked about that before. Is the the most serious and binding form of a commitment. That's in scripture. Uh, It involves building a relationship. A lasting relationship. Um, According to biblical principles. Enduring Commitment uh promises that have to do with with love loyalty faithfulness integrity heart to heart stuff okay these are all feeling things it's not a bunch of facts it's heart to heart things and you build a relationship with someone it's it's a, it's a it's a friendship a friendship too many people enter marriage with the attitude of well um, what am i going to get out of this versus what can i put into this to make this a lasting relationship. What can I invest into this? Because the two imperfect people need investigating in each other. And some of the shortcomings you can actually laugh about. You can actually laugh about. Um, when I was young, a friend of mine got married ahead of, of me. And we were joking just before I got married that about what kind of problems they could have. Would their first fight actually be over? And uh, he says something about, well, my dad said something about the, the tube of toothpaste. You know, whether you squeeze it from the top or roll it up from the bottom. We just laugh. A later, he came back and he says, you won't believe what our first fight was about. It was about that tube of toothpaste. <laughs> okay? Now, don't fight over stuff like that, but just know there, there are different ways of rolling that stuff out, okay? There, it's not right or wrong. There's two right ways. How do you solve that problem? You, get, you have two tubes. Uh, we work on this later. Get, in fact, at Costco, you get them for the same price as one. Okay, so <laughs> The before and the after. Yeshua, uh, he parallels in his answer. We, we read it at, at the beginning about uh, life in the garden and life now. See, the problem some people get into in looking at these issues about divorce is they make everything life now. They don't go back and look at that. And we'll go back to what you should start with in, in just a minute. But for you guys, keep in mind that marriage was not Adam's idea. He didn't sit around one day thinking, you know what? I need a wife. didn't even know what, what that was. It was God's idea to have a person to share your life with, to, to be intimate with, to be close with. Uh, all, all, it was, it was, his, it was in, in his heart to give a gift, that gift of, of another person. When he gives you that gift of that other person... Literally, as a, as a part of the wedding, we say as leaders, it's not to be entered into lightly. It's, it's serious, but it's a part of God's plan and God's will. And there's joy and, and wonderful things in store for you when you marry the right person. When you marry the right person, it's a gift. It's a gift. But uh, God gave us the rules to go with the gift, He gave us the rules. We ended last week with that verse I don't like. Go ahead and turn there. Deuteronomy 24. Verse in Torah about divorce. Deuteronomy 24. Because the Pharisees bring this up to Yeshua and say, well, do you agree with Moses or not? It's a trick question. 24. Two pages back. Now, I have no idea how long uh, this message will be today. There's a lot of stuff we can't say or do. But next week, we won't be talking about this. But the week after, maybe we'll see. But uh, I'm not speaking from the perspective of having all the right answers and doing everything right. And none of our leaders are. Okay, Um, I made the wrong choice one. I married the wrong person. Not Susan, she was the right one. But I made the—I married the wrong person. The pain is unbelievable that comes from that. I, I guess uh, for me to express my love to you would be to say, Don't do that. Don't do that. If you do this, God will show you who the right person is. Sometimes you have to wait a while. But everybody I have ever married who's older... Older me's like 30, okay? Not, 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 not too bad. They write me letters and they say, "You were right. I'm glad I waited. This person is perfect for me." Okay, I uh, and some of our other leaders might be sharing with you some of their own, own mistakes. We're not perfect. I, my first, I'm, I have been divorced, and so has Susan in our, in our past. It's horrible. It's the worst experience possible. It's so painful. You can't describe the, the, the pain that comes from that. It has to do with loss. Uh, and uh, 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 hearing that someone doesn't love you that you thought loved you. And they're not faithful to you, made these promises, and they, they, they didn't do what they said. And it gets worse. You know, unless you, you ask questions like, Well, did you ever love me? And they say, No. Oh, and it gets in this rejection. Where all the right answers are there if you wait and marry the right person. So don't, don't do that. I want to stand under the hoop and say, God has brought you together, and we all agree on that. We all agree on that. Um, before I made my wrong choice, God was speaking to me. And I remember looking back at that and, and, and actually wondering, is He really telling me not to do this? Is this just kind of cold feet? It wasn't, it wasn't really cold feet. He was actually telling me not to do this. But you know what? That was His pretty face. She was 19. Okay. Real pretty face. Really nice personality. And she really wanted to get married. But that was the problem. She wanted to get married. It's not that she wanted me. She wanted to get married. Okay. Anyhow, we've made some mistakes. Some of our elders have been divorced. Okay, But we we're the right people now. We learn lessons the hard way. We don't want you to have the pain of learning the hard way. So, that's why pre-marriage counseling is very important as we walk you through things and make sure you know what you're doing. Now, there's no test that will show, oh, that's the right person for you. It doesn't exist. It just brings up things for you to talk about with that person. Then you go, you know what? I didn't know that about that person. That's the negative. The positive is, wow, I didn't know that. That is so amazingly wonderful. I can't believe it. There's some good surprises when it's the right person. So the key to it is prayer, not panic. Alright, prayer. Hearing from the Lord, waiting upon the Lord, and making sure these things are in alignment spiritually. And you will be saved from an immense amount of pain. Well, this verse, see, people, people have made mistakes, just like we did. Look at this verse, Deuteronomy 24. When a man takes a wife and marries her, and it happens that she finds no favor in his eyes because he has found some uncleanness in her, and he writes her a certificate of divorce. So you, you write out a, it, it's a reverse ketubah, okay, seriously, and puts it in her hand and sends her out of the house. Well, that's a divorce. You get a, a certificate. Now, that's what, where we ended last week. And I'm going, okay, don't you wish that wasn't there? Now let's go take a look at the opening scripture we had this morning. Of this scripture was brought to Yeshua's attention by the Pharisees. And they said, they were saying, whose side are you on? So let's turn to Matthew chapter 19. Matthew 19. Oops. Oops. <laughs> I had it worked. It still has worked. And by the way, I'll speak for me, younger people, and I think I'm speaking for the other leaders too. If you want to ask us any questions about our past and our mistakes, we're glad to share it with you, because we don't really want you to make the same the same ones. And they're really easy to make. It has to do with corn ones and how pretty somebody is and how handsome they are, and, and and idealistic things, not not reality, and and failure to wait on God for the right timing. But we'll we'll if you have any questions, talk to us. We'll talk to you. Because I want you to make make all uh, all the right choices. I don't want you to get one of these certificates of divorce. Okay? That's a certificate of pain. Okay, so Matthew 19. Came to pass when Yeshua had finished these things, that he departed from Galilee and came to the region of Judea beyond the Jordan. (laughs) That's where all the stuff is on the news right now. And great multitudes followed him, and he healed them there. And the Pharisees... Came to him, testing him. Oh, look at that. They didn't come with a legitimate question. It was a, it was a test. Testing him. They, they wanted, they're, they're trying to trick him. Tricking, tricking him. They said to him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? Well, I'm glad they said that. Because in a few minutes I'm going to tell you what, what they believed were grounds for divorce. Because that was, that was one of them. Any reason you want. Is that true? Is there a question? Because if you've heard that it was said. He answered them. and He answered, said to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning, it goes back to Genesis, made them male and female? God's design was male female. God's design was marriage. Two becoming one. And said, For this reason the man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Two becoming one. So then, they are no longer two, But one, now this becomes really important, because if the two become one, what happens at a divorce? This is not good. Okay, so, and then he adds this. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. God brings them together, does God separate them? Man separates them. Yeshua was making a really strong statement here. You hear that in movies and in ceremonies and so on. What God has joined together, well, has God joined you together? If God has joined you together, nobody has the right to separate you. Nobody. Mother-in-law is nobody. Okay, nobody. That's a legitimate thing. I'll take. I'll that was in the rabbinic law about mother-in-laws. We'll talk about it. It's really funny. So he said that. So they said, well. Okay, then, well, well, then why did Moses command a certificate of divorce and to put her away? <laughs> okay, that's not exactly what Deuteronomy says, is it? Okay, to put to put her away. Okay, um, he said to them, uh, verse eight, and he said, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, permitted you to divorce your wives, but permitted. See, there's a key word, permit. There are conditions that you are permitted to divorce someone. But from the beginning it was not so. And I say to you, whoa, look at this. Before it was, you've heard it You've heard it said, but I say with authority, whoever divorces his wife, except for adultery, except, that word's not there. I can see by my enemy the clock that we're not going to finish this all today. Okay, half of, half of next week. See, the problem is this. We talked about it in the beginning with evangelical Christianity and others, and, and certain aspects of Judaism will get very strict and say there's only one ground for divorce and that, that's adultery and so on and so forth. And Christians will take this verse and say that, except that's not what Yeshua said. Oh no, what, am, what do I mean? What are the grounds then? Well, that's what we're going to find out. We want the truth. Okay, the wording is this. I say to you that whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality, which is not the same as adultery. And marries another, commits adultery. And so on and so forth. And we'll come back to the story of the so forth in a minute. Okay. Now, when I, last week when I kind of opened the door on the whoops here, the, the, the glorious perf, perf, idealism of marriage is a covenant. That covenant where the two are bonded together and you sign. It. Okay. And I we go, well, wait, how can you have that if you have a certificate of divorce? And God said to do it. This is Moses talking here. So we go, well, how does that work? you want another one? Let's do another one. Okay, if we go to, the, to what is commonly understood as the grounds for divorce being adultery. The only ground for divorce is, is adultery. You've heard that it was said, right? Well, what's wrong with that then? Well, if you say that, and you do it on the basis of you being Torah observant, was Moses Torah observant? I guess so. <laughs> You're like the most <laughs> observant there was. If you're going to be Torah observant, and your spouse commits adultery, what's the penalty? How about death, not divorce? So it couldn't have been, it couldn't have been adultery. That word, it's a different word. It's a different word. Oh man, you're telling me then that that? Why would it be the death penalty? That 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 is God's. How important. This isn't in the sight of God. Would anybody ever get killed? Well, they tried it. Remember they brought the woman caught in adultery to Yeshua? What was their point in doing that? Again, they were trying to trick him using this exact same verse. They said, we caught her. In the very act. In the very act, we caught her. Now Moses says, she should be stoned. What do you say? It's a trick. Okay, how's he going to get out of this one? Okay, if he says, "Well, we should do it," though. we should be a torment servant and kill her. Well, nobody's going to follow him, right? But if he says, "Well, you should not kill her," well, he's not following Moses. Either way, he loses, right? Well, he began to write something in the dirt. Don't you wish you knew what that was? I, <laughs> I don't know. I have opinions, but that's all they are. But as people watched what he wrote, one by one they walked away. Okay, I think he's talking about them. They, they were there. Oh, and you? Here's the list of your sins that deserve death here. And you? Here's the list of your. How does he know that? Pretty soon there was nobody there except the woman. He says, "Well, we're the ones who accuse you." Well, they're not here. He says, "Then I don't accuse you either." Hey, who's the author of Torah? How about Yeshua? Could he have had her killed? Yeah. What did he do? Forgiveness. And that's our role model right there. That's the, he said, but don't do it again. Because you were tricked. They, you were a setup. You were the patsy to, to get me to, to say something that I do not want to say. But again, they were using the law and what it said. And then once again, that statement could not have been for, this, for the grounds of adultery. Well, what does that mean then? Well, hang on, hang on. Okay, Yeshua's asked that question. Yeshua's response, he goes back to Adam in the garden. And the ideal. You see, we get the ideal mixed up with the current reality. The ideal is this was God's original plan. Before sin came into the world, that you would have the covenant situation with that person. You can still have that if you want to. But some people make mistakes. And then you got to deal with it. But he goes back to before, God's original plan was that there would not be a divorce. That was the plan. But because of our sin and our hardness of heart, all of a sudden things start falling apart. So God comes up with a a plan B? Does does plan B greet someone the wrong way? What it is, is permission, okay, to get divorced under certain circumstances. And that permission has to do with women's rights. Because in a few minutes, I'll read to you the rights of the women out of the mouth of the Pharisees and Sadducees. What they said about women. Yeshua was elevated, and Moses, was elevating women to a place where they had they had rights. First of all, that certificate allowed them to remarry somebody else who loved them. That certificate allowed them to get their money back. Their money back? Yeah, the dowry. How many camels? She gets them all back. Now, think about that. I think that would be great. That we have today, if we get a divorce, we have to give back all the presents. Okay. Well, think about it. I mean, do you keep all the presents? I mean, obviously you can't do that. But I mean, maybe we should have a ceremony, a reverse ceremony, a reverse of the of the vows. I take back what I said. They have all those same people there. If people think about that, they don't want to do that. So fix the problem. Fix the problem. <laughs> Well, that certificate was giving her some rights, or before she didn't have any rights. But again, Yeshua was comparing before the fall and after the fall. The purpose, um, well, I'm going to go ahead a little bit and take you to the rights, because you'll like some of this. Women's rights, at Yeshua's time, and why this is the way it is. Then we'll get to what are really the grounds of divorce. Women's rights. They had almost no legal rights whatsoever. A woman could not divorce her husband for any reason. And a man could divorce his wife for any reason he wanted. Almost. There's only a couple of exceptions. The mission said that a woman may be divorced with or without her will, but the man only with his will. In other words, he has to want it. It was a simple process. That certificate, you write, it was two sentences long. And you have two witnesses, and you do it in front of the two, and you give it to her, you're divorced. That was all there was to that. That was all there was. Now, so the question to Yeshua was, do you believe in giving that certificate of divorce? Do you believe that that divorce is okay? And, you, and uh, they brought up the law of Moses. And so Yeshua said, what, what does it say? And so on and so forth. Well, as always, there's two main schools of thought. An interpretation of what Moses said in Deuteronomy and of what Yeshua said. In, in Yeshua's time, it was Shammai and Hillel. It's important for us to know this, this fight, to understand what they believed and what, whose school was whose. Very important to know. Because Yeshua was in one of them. Which camp was he in? The school of Shammai. The school of Hillel. The school of Shammai was very strict. Very conservative. Hillel was Very liberal. Um, um broad minded. Broad minded. Shammai said this, that only adultery and or fornication he actually said fornication. Why? Because adultery meant the death penalty. He said the only grants for divorce is fornication. That's fornication is any sexual sin. What is any sexual sin? Leviticus gives you a list of the sexual sins. Any one of those or combination is fornication, which would be grounds for divorce under Shammai. Now, Hillel, on the other hand, that's where I'm reading my list to you, taking of of off the pages of Hillel. Hillel says uh, that you could divorce your wife if she burnt her dinner, if she put too much salt on your food, if uh, her head was uncovered in public, if she talked with a man in public other than you. If she spoke loud. Who interprets that? Hmm. Alright. If, <laughs> if she speaks disrespectfully of your mother. Of her mother-in-law. That would never happen, would it? Okay. If she raised her voice to her husband. If she's not even yelling, if you just talking softly, you raise it. That's it. Here's your certificate. If you disagree with your husband. Now, these could never happen, could they? Hmm. What? You, would you raise your voice a little bit? I can't hear you. What? <laughs> but here's the, here's the one where we actually have to deal with in the brief Sha: apostasy. When you come to faith in Yeshua, that was grounds for divorce. Okay? Paul talks about an unbelieving husband and a believing wife. What do you do? That won't be for today, but it's in 1 Corinthians 7. Quite an important section of Scripture. One thing he doesn't say is is divorce him, okay? He does not say that. He says, pray for him. Pray for him. Well, that'll be a third of next week's. Well, raise your voice. Rabbi Akiva, you're going to like him. Isn't he like everybody's favorite rabbi? Rabbi Akiva says, you can divorce your wife if you find someone who is more attractive. <laughs> now, these guys were popular amongst the people. I can do whatever I... The men, the men. I can do whatever I want. That's, that's right. That's right. Now, Shammai said, no, only, only one thing. Okay, hang on. Where's more? Well, it got so bad. This one with a shot. It got so bad that many women did not want to get married. Anymore. Because there's no security. I mean. There's, there, I have. I mean. One time. If I. If I. Burn. Burn his dinner. I'm done. You know. So. It's actually threatening. The institution of marriage. In both schools though. Here you have this. A woman. Could never initiate the divorce. The, the process. Only the man. So. You, you did not have the right to initiate that. To make an accusation. Um. She could not divorce. She had to be divorced. And, of course, the return of the dowry. Well, in Deuteronomy 24, God does permit divorce. But there's a lot of controversy over the wording, the grounds. Okay? Now, what it says, if, if the husband finds some uh, uh, indecency in her. What does that word mean? Indecency in her. The original word meant Exactly what Yeshua said: fornication, some kind of fornication that she does, that indecency, not adultery, some some kind of, of a sexual sin. In, indecent exposure was listed as one. Well, what's that? Well, it depends. See, the husband might think if there's a slightly teeny-weeny bit of cleavage, that's indecent exposure, and have her divorced. Um, I'm dead. these are taken off the pages of history, okay? Like that, it's like, so. the ma- the woman had no rights at all. None none whatsoever. Okay? Uh, however, it seemed to come home to another Bible story, which will give it a lot more sense. It seems that all this was, the, the commentators say, that it all had to do with, before you're married, but you're betrothed. A betrothal is in that you, you are almost, you have signed documents, the only way to get out of a betrothal, which is one year long, is to get that certificate of divorcement. So you have to have the certificate. Could Moses have been talking about that one? That's, the, that's the, the position of many commentators of Yeshua's time. Not today, looking back. Well, we have that. In other words, here's the deal. If the, the husband, we would say to be... But yeah, she actually called her husband. They they were together in all things in the betrothal, except they did not live together or sleep together, no, no sex. Okay, and you had to have a, a chaperone with you. But to get out of that, you you actually got a, a, an actual a, a divorce. Do we have any? So the, the situation is: so at that time, if the husband-to-be finds out she has committed some kind of fornication, that's where you get the divorce. This is really important right now. This is not saying that if you find grounds for divorce, that you get a divorce. It's not saying that. It's it's saying you may get a divorce, not that you must. You may. What does God in the New Testament say? Over and over again: fix it, forgive, reinstate, reconcile. That is the over Not you're out of here. Made one mistake, you're out of here. Mistakes are very painful. When you look at the covenant of marriage and that's violated, that's a painful mistake. But it's not the end of the world. Fix it. Fix it. The joy I've had when I counsel couples is when they get together and they say, you know, this person made a mistake, but I really love them. And they say, I really love you, and I'm sorry. And they fix it and they reconcile. It's not the end. It's a bump in the road, but it's, but it's not the end. So it wasn't that they must get divorced. See, some people are saying, "Well, you had..." To. No, you may. You have grounds. Now, what famous Bible story does this really come to life in? How about Mary and Joseph? Okay, even the same wording. And uh, here, you know, uh, Mary's told by the angel Gabriel. Oh, oh, she leaves town for a while. Okay, Elizabeth. When she comes back, she's starting to show a little bit. And uh, people are starting to talk a little bit and so on, and uh, it's found out that she's pregnant. Joseph knew it wasn't his. That's during the betrothal. So, and again, that same wording, uh, he, he was going to put her away privately. He could have killed her, but he chose not to. And then the angel came and said, No. This is, the, this is of God. But that's a situation that what the commentators back then say this is talking about, during the betrothal period. So it doesn't, it's not a black and white thing. It's not an easy thing of saying, this, this is very simple. The simple thing is that God hates divorce. That God does not want you to get divorced if you're married. He wants you to fix the problem. I have another page of problems that are not fixable. Let's see if I have time for that one for a couple of minutes. do away. Okay. Part of the problem had to do with interpreting that word indecent. All right. Some of the almosts. And here's where the uh, the honesty of ancient commentators comes in. What about somebody that has leprosy? They didn't have them when you got married, but they get leprosy. You can't touch them. You can't come close. Actually, if you could get a divorce if a partner had leprosy, it doesn't mean you have to, but you could. Because, hang on to that thought. The refusal to consummate the marriage. See, a lot of the a lot of the marriages were arranged, and if you're all of a sudden when you lift that veil, it's not not what you expected. Well, think about it. See, that's where the dads the dads. Have to be trusted here, Dad. When I lift that veil, am I going to like? Well, let's see. well it, it, this is all taken from real things. They lifted the veil, and I go, "There's no way." <laughs> okay. I may sign this, but okay. But but what women's rights back then were? Wait a minute. Literally, literally, she has needs, and, and the man was held accountable to meet the, the woman's needs. Women's rights were a big thing back then. And she could actually sue him if he refused to meet her needs. Physically. Seriously. I'm dead serious. All right? Look at this one. If he made her leave Israel. If he forced her to move to Turkey or somewhere like that. Okay? Well, that's an interesting thing. The chosen people and then the land. All right? Lying. And, and uh, false uh, pretenses. Would you please turn the tape off? For one moment. Susan tells me about her past. I cannot connect to that. It's like it's a different person. Because that's, that's not the person I met. I met her just after she became a believer. When I hear about the stuff she used to do, I go, who was that? Okay, I wasn't a part of it. But she told me all about it. But It shows the miracle of how God can, can, can change a life and change a heart. And then he brings the right two people together. I do it until she became a believer. <laughs> okay? So pr- pray for that person. Pray for your future spouse. Well, anyway. Okay. We'll wrap this up quickly and finish it next week with 1 Corinthians 7. All right. Uh, abuse. Oh, abuse. Okay. First of all, lying and marrying under false pretenses. Abuse. Physical abuse. Okay? Don't put up with it. Please. Call the police. All right. Here, here's one. And How does this fit? If... You had no children. How does that work? You mean you could get a divorce? You could file for a divorce. The man could divorce his wife if she didn't have any babies. Excuse me, but didn't Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and, you know, down the list, didn't they? You know, have that? Yeah, they did. So literally, that brings those stories much more to life because the husband could have divorced her for that because there was there was no uh, uh, future uh, uh, posterity. But they didn't. They loved their wives. And God blessed them and gave them children. Now, what? a minute. You say, well, how long do they have to wait? Literally, it was 10 years. If you had no babies in 10 years, you could divorce your spouse. And we, we mentioned a deception. Well, to sum all this up, and then we'll say First Corinthians 7 to, for, for next week the law that God gave us was a concession because of our sin. That's the reality. We fall short. So there was a a, a a part of the law that was for women's rights to allow them to remarry number one and to get some funds to, to do that. All right? and, and, and that is to protect those rights. So divorce is permitted, not preferred. It's a safety valve. It's an impossible, uh, unsolvable situation. If some of these things, if there's abuse and you're going to be killed, you're not expected to stay in that house for your own own safety, okay? Um, And again, if there's a habitual I left this part out. We're not talking about if one person makes a sexual mistake. We're talking about if they keep making it again and again and again and again and again. again. Habitual. A habitual offender of some of these things. That's the grounds for divorce. And by the way, it's permitted. Not a must. You have the permission. And by the way, when you marry this imperfect person, the enemy will exaggerate those imperfections. Make them seem bigger than what they are. <laughs> That's just the way that is. Okay. And hang on, let me wrap this up. So we just do the, do the one thing next week. Deuteronomy 24, where I started last week, to, how can this even be? Was not to make divorce easier, but it, it was a restructuring of an easy divorce. So it wouldn't be so easy, because when you got to pay back three thousand camels, that's a lot of money, isn't it? Three thousand camels. So it was it was to make it fair and to make it right. The women's rights. Well, please join me in prayer. And, and what I want to do next week is what Paul brings up in Corinth about the mixed marriage, mixed meaning faith, where they were not believers when they got married, but one of them becomes a believer. The other one doesn't like it. What do you do? Is that grounds for divorce? So that will only be about 10 minutes of next week. Then you know what we could do? If you want to talk about pilgrims and Indians, we, we could do that okay. next week. Do you know that there was a miracle at the first real Thanksgiving? an absolute miracle of God that took place there, recorded? Hmm. If you're nice to me, I might tell you what it is. Let's all stand. And as as, as Yeshua would have answered their question, he took them back to the garden of the man and the woman and, and, and the two becoming one. That picture, that Torah picture, you can't have the picture if you get a divorce. That's what Yeshua was saying. He was saying, the picture, you just destroyed the whole picture that God has given to us. Because the two coming together to let what God has joined, you lose the whole picture. It doesn't work. And that picture is what? It's a picture of how much God loves us. That's the picture. He said, don't wreck the picture. Thank you, Lord, that in your wisdom, that you have planned that we share life with someone. Lord, help us not to take that in, in our own hands. but Lord, help us to trust you for that. Help us to, tr- to, to trust you for the timing of that. Not only the right person, but the right place and the right time. And may, we, may our list be that of, of what's in Scripture. And may that person be a godly person, committed completely to you and to biblical values and principles. And may that person, with our young people, share their life and their future together with one another. May they be partners in life and partners in ministry. And I thank you that that's your will. Help us not to make a wrong choice or do the wrong thing based on on emotions and feelings and, and and hormones. But help us to wait to hear from you. And I thank you that you will guide and direct and the timing will be perfect and that person will be perfect. Bless our young people. Lord, people in this room who have made mistakes. I thank you that we're on the road to recovery and that you can fix and reconcile any mistake of the past and bring forgiveness. And I pray that you would continue that work in all of our lives. That we would learn the lessons and not, not uh, make the same bad choices again. I pray that you bless Ron and Charlene. I thank you for their example. Lord, I thank you for bringing them together and making them one. May we celebrate today the, the joy of of the 25 years that they've had in Yeshua's name.